Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. Scott Durfee here, joined by Uncle David Durfee. What's up, Dave? Oh, wow, Scott. I'm excited about this podcast. You know, Scott, I don't think there's... I don't know. I was just going to say, I love talking about faith in Jesus Christ. I, I just don't know if there's anything more important, really. I think it's the one needful thing that he talked to Martha about in Luke chapter 10 is uh, coming to know him, which is part of, of, of uh, being able to have adequate faith in him. Anyway, this, this, is the, this is where kind of the rubber hits the road, Scott. Yeah. Last week, we, uh, last episode, we had a kind of a good discussion on what faith is and uh, starting to move into a, even a deeper um, part of that today. But, uh, you know, there's, there's probably some things that we ought to recap. Well, uh, first of all, we are now talking about the conditional yep. aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. How do we conditionally receive the power of Jesus Christ through his atonement. These are these blessings, these powers are conditional. And that really is describing the conditional blessings and aspects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Describe what Nephi describes in Second Nephi chapter thirty one and thirty two, which is the doctrine of Christ. What we're really talking about now for the next several podcasts is the doctrine of Christ, which is faith in Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism, receiving the Holy Ghost, and enduring to the end. These these are the conditional requirements on all of us to receive the power, the full power of Jesus Christ through his atonement. We spent... I don't know how many podcasts, Scott, talking about the unconditional blessings of the atonement of Jesus Christ, which is unconditional for all of his children, all of God's children. We spoke of that, and that should certainly lead us to gratitude and humility, and the gratitude and humility should give us desire to learn more and to draw closer to our Heavenly Father and to come to know his Son, Jesus Christ. We've talked also, Scott, about faith in the general uh, as we've moved into the doctrine of Christ. We've talked about faith in the general, faith in our Heavenly Father. In fact, again, you can have faith in anything. There's false faith and there's true faith. But faith in Heavenly Father, Scott, can do amazing things. Uh, mountains can be moved. Miracles performed. Uh, people can be changed. Uh, miracles, 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 all because of our faith in our Heavenly Father and the, the really the power of prayer. Faith in the general, Scott, is, I, I, I don't think I said this before, but I love what President Eyring said about, about faith uh, many, many years ago in a symposium that I was participating in, in, uh, it was a seminary and institute uh, symposium. And uh, he was a keynote speaker, and he, he said, Faith is not simply to know God could do something. Faith is to know he will. That's, that's a different level of faith. And then let me just add to that. 
So let me repeat that. Faith is not simply to know God could do something. Faith, or we could say the faith of power, really. Faith is to know he will. And I would add, because you know his will. If you know the will of God, by revelation, I mean, to really exercise the power of faith, we didn't use that word in our last podcast, but to really exercise the power of faith, one must have the Holy Ghost and receive revelation to know the will of God, because once you know the will of God and you speak it or you request it or you seek to carry it out, Scott, it will happen and miracles will take place. Well, you, you talk about, you know, receiving that revelation and, and acting on that. And, and it's, you know, that's it just kind of at first glance, that may seem difficult. You know, that may, I got to receive revelation. I've got to go have this experience, etc. It's not that hard. We have the tools that we need to have that revelation through conference talks through the addresses of the brethren through the scriptures so you know to learn and understand the will of the lord for and in behalf of us and in our lives is just not that i mean it can be it can require some effort and it can require especially as we get into some of the more deep uh, and and important decisions in our life etc but generally speaking you know we have some really good direction in knowing what is the will of the Lord. True, Scott. Really true. Thank you. And when we give priesthood blessings um, in the church, or we receive priesthood blessings, or when we pray and we ask and we seek and we knock, you know, we should pray by the Spirit, and we should know by the Spirit. This is Doctrine and Covenants section 46, the great... uh, revelation and section on the gifts of the spirit when we pray by the spirit and we give blessings by the spirit we know what to pray for we know what to ask for we know what to bless individuals with and and if i can just say this scott we didn't talk about this either we didn't use this term but i love this term which is in alma chapter 5 and in in uh, ether chapter 12 and it's really unique to the, uh, this, this phrase, to the Book of Mormon in those two chapters. The eye of faith. When, when, when you have the Holy Ghost and revelation and the Spirit as you pray, as you seek to, to know the will of God and to carry it out and to receive miracles in your life, Scott, believing is seeing faith is actually seeing it happen before it happens that is an eye of faith and that requires great revelation and uh, i i th- there's some work involved in receiving that gift which the eye of faith i think is one of the the greatest gifts we can ever receive in this life to actually even with an eye of faith scott we can see ourselves uh, glorified we can see ourselves uh, i i've i've just experienced this giving patriarchal blessings that uh, with an eye of faith in preparing to give patriarchal blessings i've seen individuals i've seen them present their families to jesus christ at his second coming i've seen individuals 
come forth in the morning of the first. Those aren't just words. I, I don't know how it works for other patriarchs, but it's like I can close my eyes before I ever lay my hands on individuals' heads to give them a patriarchal blessing, and I can see things. And I, I, I'm, I, I know that's really sacred, I know that's uh, personal and spiritual, but the eye of faith, Scott, is a really a precious, sacred gift of the Spirit that we should all seek for. I mean, just, just think about this for a minute, because I, I was kind of uh, in the doldrums, you know, in our last podcast because of my son Isaac and, uh, you know, his challenges. and uh, But it, just think if I could see... If I could see him the way God sees him. If if with an eye of faith, I could see him the way God sees him. Think of how things could change in my attitudes and in my actions even towards him, in my attitudes and my feelings. Uh, if we could see our children the way God sees them, if we could see our situation the way God sees it, if we could get a glimpse, God, with an eye of faith at, at the end from the beginning, I, I know that that that's you know that's uh, God sees all things from beginning to the end, and He sees the end from the beginning, and uh, that's why He's never worried or fearful. He knows how it's going to turn out, and that's why I don't think He's too worried about my kids or your kids. I think He knows how it's going to turn out, but but. We should seek that, and and it's, I know that that can I know that that can happen. I I had my dear my dear Japanese friend, brother Fujita, who had a son who he was so worried about, who was really in a lot of trouble. This is when I was their bishop in Minnesota, and he was so worried and concerned about this this son, and praying about him, and seeking to know the will of God for his son. In the in the celestial room in the Chicago uh, temple, Chicago Illinois temple, and uh, he had this impression to look up. Then he looked towards the veil of the temple, and he saw his son coming through the veil of the temple, dressed in the robes of the priesthood. He saw Scott, and this was like a, a vision for him. He saw his son with an eye of faith and he told me i've i've never been afraid for him since yeah i've i've never really i i mean you 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 always worry about your children and you don't want your your children to experience pain even if you know how they're going to turn out it's painful to watch them to suffer but he knew where his son's his son Sam was going to be, and how things were going to turn out. That's that's a that's such a tremendous gift that we should all seek for, and not just for our children or for those we love, Scott, but for ourselves. I, I think how that would change you, me, all of us, if we could see ourselves the way God sees us, and how we're going to turn out. What gifts and blessings and glories he has prepared for us oh if we could just get a glimpse god that the eye of faith it's a, it's a powerful powerful gift that i hope we can all seek
Well, you, you've just shared a couple of experiences. One, a sacred experience, uh, you know, that sometime, and you didn't get any details or anything personal, but sometimes you have seen through an eye of faith as a patriarch performing patriarchal blessings uh, for folks that you've been able to see things. You just shared about your friend seeing, because through an eye of faith, his son coming through the veil dressed in the robes of the holy priesthood. So the question is, and I know that we have we have uh, listeners who are wondering this, well, that's great, but where do I start? How do I develop that eye of faith? So what would you say if somebody were to ask you that question? Well, I think we answered a lot of that question in the last podcast, right. you know, that it, it I think it really begins with uh, the desire and the need. Desire, gratitude is the beginning of desire. Uh, sometimes tribulations and afflictions can bring on great, humili- uh, great humility, and it's better. It's, it's awesome that you're compelled to be humble, and we're right. compelled to be humble by a wayward son or daughter or... And we by, get that example from the Zoramites. And or by even Alma. abuse in our own yeah, life, Scott. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's... it's it's uh, horrific. It's terrible. It's awful when individuals are are abused. But uh, whatever happens in our life, and all of the bad things that happen in our life, Scott, should should help us to be humble and to recognize a need, the utter complete need we have for a Savior and Redeemer. But the best way to become humble, so humility is I think where it starts, and gratitude. Uh, but humility comes best and most powerfully, and in its purest form, it comes best through the, receiving the Word. It's by the Word that we become humble, and that Word is Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. So when he says, come unto me, that's an invitation for us to begin that process. And we've talked about that. And where is he? And where is he? And, and, yeah, when he says, so, come unto me, where is he? When, on the, when he's, on the mountain, in the temple? Where, no. Where, well, all those things are great, but where is he? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, suffering for the sins of the world. Which humbles from me. every poor. And then concluding that, and Elder Holland tells us that we worship the suffering Christ. Right. And so where did he suffer? He suffered in the Garden right. and at Golgotha. That was, you know, we, Deb and I just a few weeks ago were there and, and I've talked to actually a couple of friends that uh, were there. We didn't know that they were going right after us. Actually, one of them I was having this conversation with, he's also a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and it was Saturday night after a meeting and, and uh, he came up and he, his wife actually said, were you guys just in Israel? And then we talked about how our lives had been enhanced changed maybe too but enhancements changed because we had been there because being there dave caused for me to have such deep con more a deeper contemplation perhaps than maybe i'd had before to be where he actually suffered so when i go now i actually have a body learning a, a an experience where i can go when he says come unto me i can go back to those places in my mind and in my heart well, as wonderful as it is for for you and for others who have been to Israel to be able to to literally picture those things in your mind, it's not God. necessary though. And I, a true eye of faith, right, yeah. can transport us to those places in even a more pure, clearer, more powerful way. I, I mean, how many people have been to Israel, but they never have the eye of faith? Yeah. The, the eye of faith can take us there. We can be transported there. 
and we can stand at the foot of the cross right and we can get a glimpse of of him bleeding from every pore in Gethsemane and we can hear him cry out um, with an eye of faith and the ear of faith we can hear him cry out my God my God why hast thou forsaken me we can see him and we can hear him when he invites all 2,500 of the those in Bountiful to come forth and to thrust their hand into his side and feel the prints uh, of the nails in his hands and his feet. We can, we can see him uh, stop in the busy streets of Jerusalem and, and he asks, who, who, who just touched me? And he then tells that woman, with the issue of blood who was immediately healed because she touched the Savior because of her faith in him. And he not only heals her, but he pronounces her whole. You know, through an eye of faith, Scott, as we we study his life, we review his his teachings, well, not just review, we, we search, we treasure, we feast on his teachings and his word. We become humble, and we can be transported to those to those places with an eye of faith. And when that happens, wow, we have great we have the power of faith, which is more than just the idea that Jesus Christ suffered for us, which is more than just the the understanding of his character attributes and uh, perfections. But then we have this desire and this power to be able to know that the course of the life that we're pursuing is pleasing to him because we are with him, because uh, the thoughts and the intents of our hearts are always with him, Uh, that we're praying always in gratitude. I can't believe how many times that's in the scriptures. And... uh, I've pondered so many times, what does that really mean to pray always? It's to always remember him. That's what it means as we make a covenant to do every Sunday. To always remember him. To look unto me, hit the invitation, right? I'm impressed how many times that's been quoted in general conference lately, the last few years. Look unto me in every thought, doubt not. Fear not. Those are great statements of how we can obtain greater faith in Jesus Christ and uh, and His atonement. So, well, you know, you got to finish that. You know, look unto me in every thought. Yeah, doubt yeah. not, fear not, and and, 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 that, and that's important. And, yeah, it, then, then and he, it's easy to read, but but thirty seven. Right. So that's verse thirty six of uh, Doctrine and Covenants section six. But 37 says, and this is where it is, this because, is you know, power. looking unto him in every thought where is, he? is fine, right? right. Yeah, and here's where he is. Behold, the wounds which pierced my side and also the prints of the nails in my hands and feet. Right. Be faithful and keep my commandments and ye shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Well, if we would look unto him in every thought, and we did behold the wounds, and we did, uh, you know, behold the wounds in his side and the prints of the nails in his hands and feet. We would keep his commandments. We'd have the faith to keep his commandments. So uh, anyway, that's that's just kind of an overview, I guess, Scott, of uh, where we've been and uh, 
kind of where we are and and now let's talk a little bit about today and what I really wanted to kind of talk about today was the difference between faith in Jesus Christ and faith in the name of Jesus Christ. I I hope our listeners after maybe listening to this it will begin immediately to begin to notice how many times in the scriptures dozens and dozens how many times in the scriptures it talks about faith in the name of Jesus Christ or faith on his name and how many times that's in the scriptures over and over again and as you think about that i think that we should all just pause and ponder and appreciate the difference between what it means to have faith in Jesus Christ, which is powerful, and faith in the name of Jesus Christ, which is exalting. I first became really sensitive to this, Scott, when just kind of serendipitously I came across a book called In His Holy Name. Or maybe it's just His Holy Name. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you just held it up because I I mentioned this uh, last year in our in our previous Yeah, that, yeah, when you mentioned this, I went and found it. It's and, a short little book. And I have absolutely <laughs> fallen in love with this short and little I, book. I found it in Walmart. Yeah. Of all places. I found it on Amazon. It's available. <laughs> well, I I saw that in Walmart in the year 1998. Um I think that's about the year it was written. In Rexburg, Idaho, I was there for a for a leadership conference and uh, just had some free time one evening and went down there. When was it? When's the first edition? Yeah, you got a pretty good memory for an old guy. Is it nineteen? It is nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, yeah. That's when I was in Rexburg, Idaho, for a leadership conference and and uh, that book was there and I'd never seen it before, never heard of it, and it was a short little book and so I purchased it and I went home that night and had some time and began to read it. I couldn't put it down. I read it all that night. And Scott, it, it had a profound effect on my life. It still has a profound effect on my life. And so let me just tell you a little bit about it. It's written by uh, Elder Oaks, now President Oaks. Uh, he talks about that when he was called as an apostle in 1984, that he had uh, gone to the scriptures to find out his responsibilities on what it means to be an apostle. And he went to section 107, verse 23, Scott, and it says in section, uh, we should read that maybe. Uh, I got it. I can paraphrase it, but let's let's just oh, read it. it. Yeah. Section 107, verse 23, when it talks about being a special witness, not just of Jesus, but it talks about being a special witness of the name of Jesus. 107, verse 23. The 12 traveling counselors are called to be the 12 apostles or special witnesses of the name of Christ in all the world, thus differing from other office officers in the church in their duties of their calling. Okay, so he said that when he read that verse, the Spirit came over him, and he thought to himself, I, I'm sure this was by revelation, he thought to himself, okay, I think I know what it means to be a special witness of Jesus Christ. But I have no idea what it means to be a special witness of the name of Jesus Christ to all the world. 
And so he writes in his introduction to this uh, this life-changing book, His Holy Name. Uh, he writes, um, So this book is a culmination of my 10 years of research of what it means to be a special witness of his name, of his holy name. Oh, wow, that got my attention. I, I read that introduction actually in Walmart because I didn't want to buy another book that was just a compilation of you know their conference talks that they've already given. And when I read this introduction in his book, I thought, I got to have this. So anyway, 10 years, Scott, he said that he looked up every verse of Scripture that talked about the name of God. I think I, I'm I'm reading the preface right now, okay. <clears throat> or at least parts of it, and I and I find this interesting too. He says, "With illumination from the Holy Spirit, it has grown uh, his understanding of what the it, the uh, pondering the meaning and significance of scriptural references to the holy name of Jesus Christ." So, with illumination from the Holy Spirit, it has grown line upon line, precept upon precept. But even now. I find this really interesting. After 10 years of research. <laughs> and from an apostle. And after reading every verse in the Holy Scriptures. But even now, it only scratches the surface of the subject that is deep and important. He ended up giving a whole conference talk on this, Scott, about what it, what it means to take upon ourselves the name of Jesus. And he uses the sacrament prayer, you know, that, that they are willing, that they are willing to take upon themselves the name of of Jesus Christ in this, you know, we say that in the sacrament prayer on the bread. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gave a whole talk on that. And Elder Bednar's given a conference talk on this as well. But for some reason, it doesn't seem to um, have, I don't know, it just seems like we don't put as much emphasis on it as we should or that we really understand the difference. Well, and I think that's why. I don't I think that there's a lack of emphasis because there's a lack of understanding as to what it means. It's so easy to default to the things that are easy for us to understand that sometimes the things that are a little that require a little more effort and work on our part become a little more difficult because of that. Well, I, I think that's true and I also think that it's a really sacred yeah, and that, a really sensitive true. subject and they're they're really careful how they talk about it. And uh, frankly, you know, they don't want to cast pearls before swine. And uh, it, it really is a sacred subject. And I, I hope that I, we can talk about it and treat it that way as, as we do uh, for the rest of this podcast. But anyway, so uh, let's talk about the difference between faith in Christ and faith in the name of Christ. I know that kind of the one of the conclusions i think that elder oaks makes in his last chapter of his book is that hey there there are so many great christians in this world who to some degree experience uh, salvation and forgiveness and the blessings of jesus christ in their life there can be no doubt about that and there are so many people who have a great powerful faith in jesus christ and receive so many blessings in their life from that scott but the difference between um, other Christians and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that we believe that you are saved 
by faith in Jesus Christ. And that you are exalted by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Many years ago, Scott, I was reading a um, the new King James Version of the Bible. And um, this is a book I love to read and study because it has some commentary and lots of footnotes. And I was reading a, a scripture in Acts that talks about in the name and the name of Jesus Christ. And in the footnote, it said that faith in the name of Jesus Christ is faith in the ordinances. I mean, so this is not, this this idea is not completely unique to us. But in the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, we understand by Revelation, section 84, verses uh, 20 through 22, Scott, we should probably turn to those. I I know, uh, I think this is probably Elder Bednar's, one of his favorite passages of scripture because I've heard him quote it so many times. But we, we read about the, the power of godliness and the ordinances thereof. Why don't you start with 19, Scott? Section 84, verse 19, and let's just talk about this because it it has a direct impact on what it means to have faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Section 84, verse 19 through about 22. And this greater priesthood administereth the gospel and holdeth the key key of the mysteries of the kingdom, even the key of the knowledge of God. Therefore, in the ordinances thereof, the power of godliness is manifest. And without the ordinances thereof, and the authority of the priesthood, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. For without this, no man can see the face of God, even the Father, and live. And we could say reside in his presence and uh, be exalted in his presence. Um, So the the power of godliness is manifest through the ordinances, and it's through the ordinances, Scott, of the holy temple where we take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ in even a more significant way than we take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ by being baptized I mean, when we're baptized, we become the children of Christ, right? That's Mosiah chapter 3, verse 7, Scott. Mosiah, I'll, I'll turn there real quick. and Or, I'm sorry, Mosiah 5, verse 7. In Mosiah 5, 7, I'm there. And now because of the covenant which ye have, which ye have made, this is the covenant of baptism, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and daughters, for behold, this day he has spiritually begotten you. For ye say that your hearts are changed, get this, Scott, through faith on his name. Faith on his name. Therefore ye are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters. Through an ordinance, through faith on his name and acting on that faith in his name, we participate in ordinances. And the ordinance of baptism makes us the sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. We become the children of Christ. Or we could say the children of the covenant of Christ. But, Scott, when we go to the holy temple, we take upon ourselves higher, even higher ordinances. The ordinance of baptism is really um, 
presided over by the power of the lesser priesthood or the Aaronic priesthood. And that's, you know, that's important to understand the distinction between the two. But the higher priesthood, as we read in section 84, to minister in the mysteries of godliness and receive the highest ordinances of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ and participate in the temple ordinances, we go from being the children of Christ to being joint heirs with Christ. That, that's, a, that's not only a higher power, that's a, uh, that's a more sacred, deeper, more significant relationship. And in, our, in the sacrament prayers, when we say, I mean, we're already baptized, but when we say in the sacrament prayer that we make this covenant and that we participate in the sacrament as a witness, that we are willing, that we are willing to take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ, as Elder Bednar has taught so clearly in a conference talk, I think, called uh, uh, in, good, in Standing, in Good Standing, right. he, he talks about this, that uh, the sacrament prayer points us to the temple. Uh, participating in the ordinances of the sacrament should lead us to the temple. And, Scott, when we participate in the sacrament, we are renewing all our covenants not just baptism, but we are renewing all the covenants that we have received, including the highest ordinance and covenant of celestial marriage. I, I don't know. I just, when people partake of the sacrament, they should definitely contemplate their baptismal covenants, but they should also be pondering their, their temple covenants and ordinances. And all of that, Scott, is what it means to have faith in the name of Jesus Christ. We don't just believe in Jesus. We don't just believe that he has redeemed us, that he saved us, and that's powerful. And that, that is, is such a blessing and a miracle and saving to all of us. The uh, talk that you're looking for by Elder Bednar is called Honorably Hold the Name and Standing. Okay, thank you. Yeah, Honorably and, Hold the Name and Standing. And, and he really gets which in. Comes, which comes from a, a verse of Scripture in Doctrine and Covenants, Section 109, the dedication on the Kirtland Temple. Right. So, you know, he, he gets into that a, a lot. I remember um, being counseled by a member of a stake presidency many, many years ago. This was given in 2014, and so... Uh, you know, nine years ago, this was uh, delivered. But uh, the, uh, the the neat thing about this is, is the, the opportunity to hear, again, a witness of the name, Elder Bednar, uh, talk about honorably holding a name and a standing and what all that means to draw us to closer to our Heavenly Father. In, in fact, in, in, in a completion of the conditional blessings that come through the atonement of Jesus Christ. We just read in Mosiah, where we become his sons and his daughters, right? Speaking uh, of Jesus Christ. And faith our on his with him. name, therefore you are born of him and have become his sons and his daughters. And then, you know, there's a footnote right there in 7 where it says sons. Uh, there's a footnote, D, that takes us to Doctrine and Covenants, section 11, verse 30. And I'm just going to read that quickly. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that as many re- receive me, them I will give power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe 
on my name. Mm. Uh, so that you know the 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 intensity that comes not just from becoming children of uh, and sons of Christ, but this says that they will become the sons of God, even to them that believe on my name, whose name Jesus Christ, right? And so we become the sons of God also through this. Yeah. Well, all of that's what it means to have faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, in, in Doctrine and Covenants section 3, I think it's the last verse, God, I'm, section 3 and 10 are sections where Joseph Smith was somewhat chastised, not somewhat, but <laughs> severely, I guess, chastised for losing the for the lost 116 pages of the Book of Mormon. But um, I, I think this is really instructive. In the very last verse of uh, section three, I'm going to pick it up in the middle of uh, the verse. He talks about the importance of the Book of Mormon and uh, the importance of the restoration, really. He says, that they might know the promises of the Lord. And promises, I would say, covenants. That they might know, and I would say, see the promises of the Lord. That they may believe the gospel and rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of the Book of Mormon, Scott. That they might believe the gospel and rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ and be glorified. We could replace that word with exalted. And be glorified or exalted through faith in his name. And that through their repentance they might be saved. Well, um, faith in Jesus Christ is powerful. Faith in the name of Jesus Christ is exalting it glorifies us i i'm so thankful for the blessings of the restored gospel and the restored ordinances and covenants of the gospel of jesus christ uh, they are sacred and the book of mormon uh, i think if people were more careful how we read all of the scriptures actually not just the book of mormon but the old and new testament we could see the powers of the mysteries of godliness and of the ordinances in in all of the scriptures when it talks about the robes of righteousness i think about the temple when it talks about the palms of his hands i think about the temple when it talks about jesus christ is the veil i think about in hebrews i think about the temple i mean uh, you, really we shouldn't read the scriptures hardly ever without seeing temple and ordinances and understand that all of this is part of what it means to have faith in his name or faith on his name so my prayer for all of us uh today and always is to just to understand that and it's not it's scott i don't want to I don't want to be fanatical about this. I, I mean, I, I know faith in Jesus Christ is the first principle of the gospel, and I know that that's where it starts. And, and yet faith in the name of Jesus Christ and understanding that distinction, can I know for myself and for hundreds of students who I've taught at the Institute of Religion, when you understand 
what faith in the name of Jesus Christ means, it is very motivating and it's very humbling and it leads us to participate uh, at a higher level in the restored gospel in the uh, holy temples. So I I hope that uh, when we think of faith in Jesus Christ, we'll also immediately think about faith in his name, faith in the name of Jesus Christ, and understand the difference between what it means to have faith in his name. So uh, faith in Jesus Christ and faith in his name all points to and leads us to the principle of redemption and repentance and being restored. So um, what else can we say about faith in Jesus Christ, Scott? What it means, how we obtain it. The lectures on faith was uh, what is faith? Uh, What are the blessings that flow into our life through faith? And how can we obtain it? Those are the three great questions that the lectures on faith seek seek to uh, to answer one other thing I think we should say about faith and uh, faith in Jesus Christ and faith in the name of Jesus Christ God is the role of sacrifice I uh, uh, lecture six is my favorite lecture of the seven lectures on faith and it talks a lot about the ancients meaning the ancient patriarchs and prophets and their families and and uh, it talks about their sacrifice and and I think about church history and about the sacrifice of our early saints in this dispensation and the faith, the incredible level of faith, Scott, that they had that in all of their distress, that in all of their suffering, really, uh, to to go from New York to Ohio, from Ohio, Ohio to Missouri and from Missouri, from Jackson County to Clay County, from from far west to Nauvoo, from Nauvoo. Oh, my goodness, Scott. Uh, what a crucible of faith that our early saints were called to go through. And the sacrifice, the level of their sacrifice, and the lectures on faith make this a point, not only speaking of the, the ancients, but the, the the saints of our day. Those who are willing to make the sacrifice do so not only by the level of their faith, but it increases their faith. Sacrifice is a crucial element that should be discussed when it comes to talking about faith. And it's also true for faith in Jesus Christ. So to really have powerful faith in Jesus Christ, God, understanding his atoning sacrifice, it leads us to the great prayer of King Lamoni's father, in which he says, I'm willing to sacrifice. Yea, I'll give up I'll give up half my kingdom to know thee. I'll give up all my kingdom right. to know thee. I'll give up I'll give up everything I own to know thee. But then the great sacrifice, I think it's in chapter twenty two, Scott. Um in Alma chapter twenty two. Then he cries out in his prayer, Yea. I will give up all my sins to know thee. 
Wow. When we are willing to make that sacrifice, our faith in Jesus Christ grows in leaps and bounds. We understand. We under, to make that statement, Aaron, Aaron must have done an amazing job teaching King Lamoni's father. And, he, and it's really cool that he says that he starts, you know, in teaching the fall and the need for a redeemer. That's how Aaron starts his whole, uh, pr- you know, proselyting and teaching of King Lamoni's father. Uh, he begins by talking about the need for a savior. And by the time he's through and he talks about the atonement of Jesus Christ, King Lamoni's father is not only willing to give up all he owns, but he's willing to sacrifice and give up his sins. So, Scott, in this uh, in this amazing uh, chapter, Alma chapter 22, when, when Aaron has done such an amazing job teaching King Lamoni's father. So, so Scott, in Alma chapter 22, when Aaron, the, bro- the brother of Ammon, when he's done such an amazing job expounding the scriptures, teaching the lessons, right, in one sitting to... Uh, to King Lamoni's father, and he and it, I love it that he starts he starts by talking about the fall that man had fallen, and he teaches uh, King Lamoni's father that he uh, uh, can merit nothing of himself. Th- this need, right? This is where faith begins. Mm-hmm. Faith begins. I, I, you know, when I was in a mission presidency, as a counselor in a mission presidency, Scott, I, my responsibility the mission president gave me besides having half of the stakes in our mission to conduct interviews for those who had committed serious sins or who were in trouble with the law or had had abortions uh, in their life or whatever. I I would uh, have to interview those candidates for baptism. But I also was given the assignment to increase the the power of the missionaries' teaching and teaching preach my gospel. And so I I went with several missionaries, and I just wanted to be a fly on the wall, and I never said anything, and sometimes it was really hard for me to do, but I just wanted to observe. And so I would just sit silently in uh, some discussions. <sighs> Scott, it was so hard for me. And we tried to, in zone conferences, uh, do a better job, uh, teach this to the missionaries. Hey, if you don't teach the fall well, if you don't teach how badly someone needs Jesus Christ, they will never be able to have sufficient faith in Jesus Christ to participate in the blessings of salvation or exaltation. And, and Aaron does that, and the Book of Mormon does that, and we've, we've talked a lot about that in our podcast, Scott, that this, this utter complete need leads to humility and then this, the word of Christ and, and knowing that through his merits and through his suffering that he atoned for our sins. And in this, I'm reading in verse 14 now of Alma chapter 22, that through faith and repentance and so forth that we can be saved. And then um, after Alma has expounded all these things, the king asks, so what, what do I need to do to have this eternal life? of which thou hast spoken. And in in uh, verse uh, 17, let's begin there. And it came to pass that when Aaron had said these words, the king did bow down before the Lord upon his knees, 
yea, even he did prostrate himself upon the earth. He was laid out. He just was flat out. And he cried mightily. Let's try to picture this. Oh, God, Aaron hath told me that there is a God. And if there is a God, and if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known unto me? And I will give away all my sins to know thee. Wow, Scott. That's a sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, it really Scott. is. You know, you think about that, you know, and I, I'm, I'm going to invite us all to consider what does that mean to us? Because we think, I hate my sins. Really? <laughs> you know, do we really? You right. know, we, we automatically, right. I think, just the human part of us say, well, that's easy. I hate my sins. I'd be happy to give away all my sins. Ah, not so fast. I don't think that's really the case. Yeah. No, I, I know that the, you've, you've taught me, Scott, about the payoff. There's always a payoff, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's why we keep sinning. That's right. Is that we there's some sort of a payoff. Uh oh, it's so tragic really. But I now I know we're I know we're all sinners. I I know that we live in a fallen world and we're Absolutely. we're tainted by sin every day and that we're never we're never really free from it. Uh from the temptations or sins. And you, I know that. But the willingness Yeah. This statement of faith of King Lamoni to say, I will sacrifice all my sins to know thee, this is such an important principle in understanding how we can obtain faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement. Well, and look what happened because of it. You know, we know that the experience that Lamoni had, you know, and and, and uh, it was unconscious and then came back. And then, but but what was really, one of the things that really kind of stands out to me in this whole story, David, is the ripple effect that that had. Because King Lamoni was willing to give up all of his sins. He actually sent a proclamation, and in verse, uh, right, verse right. 3 of 23, Powerful. Throughout, he sent a proclamation throughout the land to his people. Yeah, he wanted everybody to be converted. That the word of God might have no obstruction, <laughs> but that it might go forth throughout all the land, and his people might be convinced concerning the wicked traditions of their fathers. And on it goes. And then in verse 7 across the page, kind of talks about the effect that that had. For they became a righteous people, and they did lay down the weapons of their rebellion that they did not fight against God anymore, neither against any of their brethren. Now these are they who were converted unto the Lord. So what does that tell me? Unto the Lord. As I'm converted unto the Lord. Not the church. No, the Lord. The Lord. The Lord. Not to the church, not to the dogma, not to the doctrines, but to the Lord, which is, you know, the truth and the restored part of that is all part of that, but it's only a part of that. It's part of being converted unto the Lord. And they laid down their weapons of rebellion. We had a great discussion in uh, the Institute class that Deb and I teach um, on this just last Thursday, and we talked about the weapons of rebellion. May I invite us all to consider what weapons of rebellion 
are really at the forefront of our lives, and how do we lay them aside like these people did as they became converted to the Lord? That's that's one of the ways that we can understand and begin to see the conversion in our own lives unto the Lord is when we are willing to lay down those weapons of rebellion, such sacrifice. as so exactly sacrifice, sacrifice my anger, sacrifice my control, my fears. sacrifice my fear, and all of those other things that we see so prevalent prevalent prevalently maybe in other people's lives but we need to see that as a mirror maybe in our own yeah, life we're right? so myopic yeah. very yeah uh, we have so many blind spots right we have so many blind spots in our life too so scott i we can't speak of faith in the general faith in god or faith in the specific in jesus christ without understanding that to really obtain the faith of power one must be willing to live the principle or law, it's even a law in the temple, of sacrifice. Sacrifice and obedience. We We need to live those laws. Faith is the result of an obedient life of sacrifice. Sometimes obedience is a sacrifice for some of us, Dave. Well, yeah, no doubt. No doubt, Scott. It's it's interesting, you know, how uh, the Lord kind of separates the two in the Old Testament and Samuel, but uh, obedience is better than to sacrifice. So uh, but, uh, they go together. They do. They absolutely go together. Yeah. We, can, we can't uh, make sacrifices without being obedient. We can't be obedient without making sacrifices. But I, I just think that those are such important points uh, to consider when, when we talk about how do we obtain the faith of power in Jesus Christ and in the name of Jesus Christ. In all of the ordinances, Scott, that we receive, we not only are promised amazing blessings, but we also promise to make sacrifice. And and uh, so I, I think that we should all be, and this is a hard thing, I think, for maybe our culture these days, is how much do we really sacrifice to be a, a great Latter-day Saint? How much do we really sacrifice to be a true follower or disciple of Jesus Christ, Scott? Um, sacrifice is a seems to be an unpopular principle these days. And um, I, I, I just, you know, I'm going to be going on a church history trip again soon, and I'm going to be reviewing all of the great stories and of sacrifice that our pioneer forefathers saints were willing to make and that's why they had such amazing uh, faith because they were willing to make these amazing sacrifices and there were people all along the way scott including some of our great 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 grandparents who were not willing to make the sacrifice and who stayed behind who were left along the trail, who didn't make it out here, um, and, and they lost their faith. They did. They, I know they had maybe some level of faith in Jesus Christ, but they definitely lost their faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and I know that, that, that I'm not the judge and that they'll have maybe opportunities to, uh, to rekindle that or to receive those blessings in the next life. But they definitely missed out on a lot of blessings in this life because they were not willing 
to make the sacrifice. I think of the journal entry of Sarah P. Rich, uh, wife of Charles C. Rich. And when she crossed the river, the Mississippi River, and she looked back at the Nauvoo Temple upon the hill in Nauvoo, and she took her last glimpse. She said, she, and she records this feeling which came over her, that going forward across the plains of Iowa, which was so difficult. Oh, we should talk about that sometime. But anyway, going forward and making this sacrifice, she said, was like taking a step into the dark. And she said, I would not have been able to do it had it not been for the ordinances, the blessings, and the promises that we had received in the house of the Lord. Or in other words, taking upon her the name of Christ. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, brothers and sisters, uh, we often think of the ordinance of baptism as being the ordinance that cleanses us from sin and the sacrament also in connection with that. But I want to also testify to you that whenever we participate in any ordinance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when we are faithful and participate in any ordinance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, either as the giver or the receiver of the ordinance, the atonement of Jesus Christ is applied in our life. And I, rec- and I, I would uh, also include in those ordinances the ordinance of bearing one's testimony. Now, I know that's not a real true ordinance in the sense or definition of the word as we usually use it. But when we bear our testimonies of Jesus Christ, it says we're forgiven of our sins if we do so by the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, which I think is like an ordinance, we are forgiven of our sins. When we participate in any ordinances of the gospel of Jesus Christ, exercising faith, not just in Jesus, but in the name of Jesus. And all ordinances are done in the name of Jesus, Scott. We bear our testimonies in the name. If, if there's one thing I wish that we would do, and President Nelson has been so uh, powerful in trying to help us do this, how do we use the name? How do we take it upon our lips? What do we do with the name of Jesus? And I hear people end their prayers and end their testimonies just like it's just... It's just yeah. automatic, or it's just, they just uh, almost flippantly just end it that way because that's the official way to end it. But do they know what they're really stating, what they're really saying, that anytime we invoke the name of Jesus Christ, Scott, it's like an ordinance, and the power of Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice is being applied in our lives. That's, that's exercising faith in the name. Whenever we use the name. I, I remember when Brother Matthews was in my home in Minnesota and we were having this long discussion about this very topic and I said to him, so Brother Matthews, the, you know, who wrote the Bible dictionary, Brother Matthews, I've come to the conclusion 
that when we participate in any ordinance of the gospel, either as a giver or a receiver, the power of Jesus Christ and his atonement is being administered into our life. And he said, David, wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. Have you got a pen or pencil? And I, I went and got a pen or pencil. And he said, so say that again. And he, he had me say it slow, and he wrote it down. I thought this was so interesting. He wrote it down, and he he then studied it. He, he kept reading it, rereading it uh, for a minute or two. And then he looked up at me, and he says, David, that was worth coming to Minnesota for. I believe that's true. Whenever we participate in any ordinance of the gospel or invoke the name of Jesus Christ by the Spirit, we are receiving the blessings of Jesus Christ and his atonement in our life. That's what it means, Scott, to exercise faith in the name. And we should be very careful how we use it. But uh, so I hope our our listeners, I, we invite our listeners, please use the name more sacredly, more carefully. Say it maybe a little slower when you end your prayers or bear your testimony. Think about what you're doing when you participate in any ordinance of the gospel and you invoke the name of Jesus Christ. And think about renewing all of your covenants when you partake of the sacrament. Think about how this sacrament points us to the temple, not only reviewing our, our covenants that we have made there, but pointing us to return there often to help others to enjoy the blessings of faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And may all of us uh, be able to increase, increase and receive the blessings and promises uh, of having and exercising faith in the name. And that's that's my prayer for all of us today. Well, <clears throat> what you're really saying, and, and this is um, another invitation. We've got a couple of, we've had a couple of invitations here today, but to just be more intentional. We just need to be more intentional about our relationship, and that will include the way that we end our prayers and everything else, if we have great intent. And also, uh, that intent will will really inspire us, motivate us to take a look at what are our re- weapons of rebellion and how are they keeping us from fully taking upon us his name and invoking that name in our own lives and, and, and in all that we do. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Uh, we appreciate your listening in. Uh, you can send your experiences, etc., to us at He Redeems Us at gmail.com. Also, remember that you have been redeemed through his blood. We'll see you next week.